Well, uh, if you are again new with us, we are in the middle of a series on the Psalms, and it's called Intimacy with God in the Psalms. And so we uh, desire to help you with the Word of God uh, be faithful to Jesus Christ despite what life brings. Now, we're still going to be in the Psalms this morning, but I have a little bit of a twist that I want to preach on. And the message is titled, Teaching My Children Intimacy with God. And this is in light of VBS, because we also know we have um, a lot of parents here who maybe have never been to church before, or have never been to the village church. Now, if you're single, you're thinking to yourself right now, oh great, a message on kids, I don't want anything to do with it. And if you are thinking that, repent now. Because, uh, I want to say this, uh, in my daughter's lives, uh, the majority of the most influential men and women in their lives are single men and women. I want you to hear that. Single men and women, for the most part, are the majority of the most influential people in their lives outside of our immediate family. Okay, So I love, love the single men and women of our church for how well you have loved my children and how well you love other people's children in this room. And so this is a, this is a huge, huge encouragement to you specifically because you can have a profound impact on generations to come, okay? Now, the second group of you that may be uh, not totally interested would be those of you who are older and maybe your kids are like, I don't know, older than kids, <laughs> and uh, maybe you have grandkids who are all in their 30s, I don't know, but uh, I can tell you this, that one of my greatest desires is that those, uh, there's no appropriate word to use for this, uh, are they, is it elderly, is it older, I'm not sure, uh, but those who have gray hair, how's that, uh, that you would love my kids well, that's my desire. Uh, Kirk is giving me the worst look on the face. Kirk, you're like, Salt and pepper. It's not. <laughs> yes, wise, mature. Well, some people are. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so our desire, my desire personally, is that you would teach my kids, that you would build a relationship with them. Like I would love if you said, hey, we just want to have you over so we can just talk to your kids and get to know them. And you can ignore Bernie and I the whole time. Um, but we love the opportunity for people in our church to get to know our kids and to love them. And I know I can speak on behalf of many of the parents in our church with young kids that we desire positive influences. We desire people from our church to engage in their lives and to love them well. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, uh, and again, I have no desire to offend anybody with gray hair because truth be told, I've got like five of them, so um, <laughs> don't tell anybody I said that. But uh, So the psalm we're going to be in is Psalm 78, and uh, you can turn in your Bibles there, and I want to set this up a little bit. Um, many of you have met my mom, and she is awesome. And uh, Bree and I will have these um, instances where she will look at me and say, you totally just pulled a Mary. And uh, I am so much like my mom, it is ridiculous. We fight in the same way, we argue the same way, we debate the same way, uh, we get excited the same way, we talk with our hands and get really high-pitched voices, and, and uh, my mom and I are so, so, so similar. Uh, but the one thing that we share in common that is the most important thing in our life is our common conviction that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that the Bible is God's word, inerrant and infallible, and that the only way to salvation is by Jesus Christ through faith and not by works. Now, this is, this is a message that has brought my mother and I together in some profound, profound ways. And I'm going to share with you a couple stories from growing up, but you have to remember this. My dad is a believer in Jesus, but he did not trust in Jesus Christ until I was in eighth grade. And uh, so I'm going to talk kind of like pre-my-dad's 
conversion here for just a moment. And my mom was what some of you have experienced. You are a spouse uh, whose husband or wife does not trust in Jesus Christ. And so you have uh, to raise your children uh, in the fear of the Lord according to the word of God without a spouse who's not, who, who's not on the same page with you. And that's really, really, really challenging for, for many of you. But um, I remember when I was in kindergarten, uh, my mom had just become a Christian maybe a year or two before that. And uh, she would read to me uh, the story of Corey Ten Boom and the story of other different Christian, uh, Christians who had sacrificed their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I remember like it was this big, thick book, but she's like, you know what, Corey Ten Boom aff- affected my life. I'm going to read to you all about it. And so we would read, and it took us like a year to get through this book, and it was right before nap time. But I just remember her wanting me to hear stories of godly men and women who had trusted in Jesus Christ. She would read the Bible to me all the time. We did Bible studies with her best friend, Mrs. Schwartz, who had just trusted in, in the Lord. And then with her daughter, Liz, and the four of us would do Bible studies. And my mom would say, what book of the Bible do you want to study? And I'd always say Revelation because there's tons of blood and guts and gore. And I was like, yes, yeah, Revelation. So uh, I grew up and, and she would do Bible studies with me. Uh, I learned how to pray simply by just listening to my mom. And it would go something like this. Okay, Michael, I'm going to pray and then you can pray. And so my mom would pray these amazing, long, awesome prayers. And she'd say, okay, it's your turn. And I'd say, well, there's nothing left for me to say because you've said it all, right? And every kid who prays with their parents knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, One of the the greatest gifts my mom gave me was bringing me to Ward Evangelical Presbyterian Church when I was uh, in kindergarten. And this was a church that taught the Bible, that taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, where there were amazing men and women who came over me and loved me. She put me in Sunday school and children's church when my dad didn't even go. And uh, it was an amazing, amazing blessing that transformed my entire, my entire life. And if my mom had not done that for me, I'm not sure where I would be today. My mom is so influential in making me who I am today. Now, what's interesting is my wife, her name is Brianne, she also comes from um, a history of, of, of people who have believed in Jesus Christ. And um, both of her grandmas have trusted in Jesus Christ. And so she's at the least a third-generation Christian. I, 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 don't, I forgot to ask her about before our grandparents. But um, her um, grandma and grandpa on her dad's side were missionaries in Nigeria and raised a son, you guys know Mark, uh, who loves Jesus Christ, who married a woman who loves Jesus Christ. And they had a daughter who loves Jesus Christ that I got to marry. And now we've got two daughters. And this heritage is being passed on from generation to generation. And it is so amazing to see how God has intervened in each of our lives. But my mom was the first, first one to trust in Jesus Christ. She is the one who God used to change the entire trajectory of countless number of lives, let alone four boys she had. I'm the youngest of four, okay? Let alone those four boys, but then all of our kids and this one conversion, this one person who trusted in Jesus Christ has had an amazing, amazing ripple effect between my oldest brother, Pat, who brought his girlfriend to trust in the Lord, whose entire extended family ended up trusting the Lord. Now they have two kids who are trusting in the Lord. And it's like, wow, one person's conversion, one person's trust in Jesus Christ is paying off for generations of people who God willing are going to continue to be faithful to Jesus. And some of you in this room have the amazing blessing of being sons or daughters of parents who left you a legacy, right? And it's awesome. For some of you, you have been the first generation you have been the, the, the one generation that God has used to change and alter the entire course of generations to come. And when we talk about altering the entire course, we're not just talking this life, but their eternities, their eternities. 
And if I could give parents one massive, massive encouragement, it is to train your child up in the truth and who Jesus Christ is and in the word of God. There is no greater gift and legacy you can leave than an eternal one where they will spend an eternity with God and have their lives here and now transformed. It is an amazing legacy. And what I love is we have so many kids in this church that are running around and making messes and breaking things, but they're here and they're hearing truth and their parents are committed to raising their kids at home in the gospel and at church in the gospel. It's awesome. So I hope when you guys get to know the Village Church a little bit, you can see our commitment to raising up children in the truth. Now, my daughter, her name's Ellie, uh, is a spitting image of Brie and I sometimes, and it's scary. So um, I'm going to confess to you, I really don't like my dogs all the time. I get really angry at them. They're just really stressful. And so I'll be like, Sadie, be quiet. Sadie, Sadie, Sadie. And I'm yelling. And, and so Ellie will walk up to Sadie, hit her on the butt and go, Sadie, stop it. You know, like, and Sadie hasn't done anything. I'm like, wow, that's me. Like, she is a mirror of me. It's just amazing. Or we'll be in the car and Brianne and I will be uh, bickering and uh, it will be uh, totally godly in every way. Now, we will be frustrated. And uh, she will sit in the back seat and say, Daddy, be nice. Daddy, be nice. Daddy, be nice. And she escalates in volume until I am listening to her. Daddy, be nice. Stop talking to mommy like that. Or, Mommy, stop talking to daddy like that. I mean, like, she's a little mirror and a little, little soul of conviction, right? But now I'm thinking, am I teaching my daughter how to talk to women? Am I teaching my daughter how women should talk to men? Yes. I'm leaving a legacy with my daughter, not just practically now, but a faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, a couple of things I want to do with my child. Man, I love taking her on hospital visits. I love showing her that as Christians, we're called to serve and to care for one another. And she's so cute. And she goes and she doesn't have a clue what to do, but she's just so cute that she makes people who are in the hospital happy. And uh, so I love bringing her along and teaching her like, no, we care for people. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we love and we love well and we love faithfully. And uh, hopefully we're training our daughter how to pray. And I know that for so many of you here, whether you are single, many of you single people, again, you have taught my daughter so many wonderful things. And I'm going to call you up. And I'm going to say, I need you to teach my, da- my daughter to do this or that. And I'm going to send her with you for a week. And you're going to train her in some great... But this is part of what it means. And I'm just using my life as an illustration of what happens over and over and over again in this church. So now we're going to go to Psalm 78. And we're going to see... Uh, five encouragements that I want to give to all of you, especially about the legacy that we're going to leave with the kids in this church and the kids that might not be ours or they might be ours, they might be somebody else's, but five encouragements from a community that failed miserably at this. And I mean miserably. So turn with me to Psalm 78. We're going to read verses 1 to 3 to get started. And uh, at the beginning, you'll see probably in your Bible, it says a maskil of Asaph. A maskil is a Hebrew word probably for instruction. This is a teaching. And Asaph is um, basically the worship leader of Israel during the time of King David. And he would, this, is, this literally is meant to be a song that they would sing in their congregation. Okay? So Asaph is writing this for the people of Israel to sing so that they would not forget these very, very important truths. Now imagine if we sang songs like this in church. That'd be kind of different, but maybe... Maybe neat. So number, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Listen to what I'm about to say here. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. He's talking about when, my, when I speak, in particular, we're going to see the context is to my kids. I want to speak the word of God to them. 
I want to tell them the sayings of old. I want to tell them the stories of God's faithfulness. I want to open up the Bible and show them how God intervened. And I want to show them sometimes the failures and sometimes the successes of his people. But mostly I want to show them the majesty, the beauty, the love, the amazingness of God himself. Verse 3, things that we have heard and that we have known that our fathers have told us. Now, the first encouragement I want to give to you is, is this. We only know these things because our fathers told us. Now, for some of you like me, it was, it was your mother, but we see this precedent that men, I just want to give you a big encouragement here, men, it is consistent all throughout the Bible that the men are the spiritual leaders in the home and that we're called to teach and to train and to raise up a family and a culture that is God-centered, that is Christ-centered, that lifts up the name of Jesus and speaks forth the word of God. But if they, if we don't teach it, how are they going to know? And it's not fair just to hand it off to the church and say, you train up and teach my kids because you want to know who the most influential person in your child's life is? Us, the parents. And so we have to take it seriously as dads. I know for some of you, uh, I'll just be very candid. I know for some of you, you have not done this. And if you start doing it, I want you to hear this. A lot of women, you may not be able to identify with this, but guys, I know you do. It's like if you start then it's like an admission of guilt for all the years you didn't. And I just promise you, your wife and your kids are not holding this over your head. And if they are, pray for them like crazy. But your wives want you to step up and to take leadership and spiritual leadership in the home. They want this. If they love God, they want it. And if your wives don't love God, if you're the parent in the home who is, who is alone in their faith, you have to figure out a way to teach and train your kids in the word of God and, and maintain peace and harmony in your home. But, but, but dads, we have an awesome, awesome privilege to create and set a culture in, in our homes. And our kids will learn these things and believe them if the parents take it on and if we make it a priority to speak forth God's word to our children. Uh, encouragement number two comes from verses four to six. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done. He, God, established a testimony in Jacob. He's talking about the word of God here. And appointed a law in Israel, the word of God. Uh, at this time, what they had was the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And this is what he's primarily talking about. Now we have the full scope of God's word from the Old Testament to the New Testament. We have so much more than they had, so we should be talking about it that much more. And appointed a law in Israel, verse 5, in the middle, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. Why? That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn. I was sitting uh, the other day with um, Ellie and Grandma and Grandpa. We call them um, Poppy and Mamama. And um, Mamama and Poppy and Bree and I and the girls were sitting there. And I was, I was thinking, like, I wonder what my daughter's children will look like. Like, they're not even born yet, right? But I had this immediate thought. I want to know that this girl, my little girl, is going to love Jesus and that she's going to raise up kids who love Jesus. Like, few things would make me as happy as knowing that a generation yet unborn are going to trust in Jesus Christ. And yet, we are called to do this because we're not just doing it for our kids. We're doing it for the legacy and for the generations that will come after them. And we're not just teaching them to be moralists and obey God's word because it's the right thing to do. We're supposed to teach them because we love God, because we love God. I mean, who wants to see a husband say, I'm supposed to buy you flowers, it's my duty. 
right? No, you want to see a dad who goes up to his, his wife and says, I just love you. And that is an amazing, beautiful relationship. And that's the kind of relationship we're supposed to set for our children. It's a relationship where we love God, not where it's just pure 100% duty. That will leave a profound and impacting legacy. Well, the third encouragement I have for you is from verse 7. And it says this, why are we doing this? Why are we training up our kids uh, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments? Now, the encouragement I would give you here is that um, when we tell our children the stories of what God did and how God has been faithful in the word of God and then also in our personal lives, this is not about me. It is not about me. My desire is not that they would set their hope in me or what God did for me, but that they would set their hope in God. That's what we want. And I think sometimes uh, we can subtly train up our children to think that I will have hope and faith and trust in God when God makes me happy. But God doesn't always make me happy, does he? God allows suffering and pain and grief. And yet we show him that despite, we show our kids that despite all the junk of this world, our God is worthy to be worshipped because of who he is, not because of just what he does for us. I will worship God if he takes away everything because God is worthy to be worshipped always, no matter what he does or does not permit and that's hard that is hard 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 but if we teach our kids that it's about us and not about god as soon as god doesn't perform for us they will forsake god but i want to teach my daughters that whether the lord gives or whether the lord takes whether the lord puts me through grief or whether he gives me joy unspeakable i will be steadfast and i will be faithful to the lord because this is about him it's about me setting my hope in god come hell or high water and we get to train our kids and teach them and show them that firsthand again you will leave a legacy that is profound and finally in verse 8 it says this and that they should not be like their fathers i I just pray my daughter never looks at me and says i don't want to be anything like my dad i don't want to marry a guy like my dad that's that's heartbreaking a stubborn and rebellious generation now what's interesting is that there are 60 verses after verse 8 um that we're not going to study don't worry we're not going to go through the whole song uh And it's all about Israel's failure. I mean, every sentence is about they failed God's anger and wrath and punishment. They failed again God's anger and punishment and wrath. I mean, failure, 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 failure. It is unbelievable. And the majority of this song is about failure. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our children is not just how God's people in the Bible have failed and God has had to intervene and redeem But I think at the right time and at the right age, there's an honesty and vulnerability where we have to sit down with our kids and we just have to give them a real look and say, you know what, I am not perfect here. I have have struggled, I have worked, and here are the real consequences of my sin in my life. And the reason I tell you these things is because I don't want you to ever have to go through what I went through. I don't want you to ever have to to deal with the consequences of disobedience. And so I'm going to bring you into this at the right age and say, here's what happens when you trust God and here's what happens when you don't. And I beg you, my son, my daughter, Follow God. He's worth it every single time. In the end of verse 8, he says this. This is the fifth and last encouragement for you. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, negatively, I'll say it like this. Our cold hearts towards God are as transparent as glass. 
They're just transparent. Don't ever think that your kids can't smell your BS radar. They do. They see every, every indiscrepancy in your motives, all of them, right? Because I saw them in my parents, right? And I picked them out and I pointed. And I said, you, 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 you. I mean, I saw it and they see it in us. But on the other hand, your passionate hearts for Jesus Christ are unbelievably transforming for our kids unbelievably transforming and by passion i don't mean perfect i don't mean flawless i don't mean i mean we love god to the point that when even we mess up we look at them and we say will you forgive me i sinned and they will see that your greatest desire is to please god and not just them our passionate hearts will ignite our kids faith i totally believe this that uh, we can set a pattern of faithfulness and passion but I'm telling you this, if you want to have children who have cold hearts towards God, neglect your relationship with the Lord, have a lack of intimacy with God, do not pursue Jesus Christ, stop serving at church, stop giving your life to the things that God is all about, and you will create most likely a generation after you that is colder than you were, and you'll have a third generation that is completely agnostic at best. Mark my words. It happens over and over and over again. But if you want to create a legacy for your kids and your children's children, be faithful and passionate for Jesus Christ. For some of you, you're coming here to the Village Church. You've never been in a church before. And this is all very weird to you. And I just want to say we're so glad you're here. Uh, we love having you here. We, it is just a privilege for us to open up God's Word with you and for you and to uh, have your kids here all throughout the week. Um, and I would just encourage you to seriously, genuinely consider trusting in Jesus alone. Uh, he makes a promise to us that if you have faith in me, if you believe that I am God in the flesh and that God raised him from the dead, uh, if you stop trying to work for your salvation, if you just ask him for it and believe him, he will genuinely save you and forgive you of everything you've ever done. And yeah, there's some residual, there's some consequences that we bear in this life, but you can know that you know that you and God have peace and that he can bring redemption to the things that we've just royally messed up, royally messed up. And so my prayer for you and my desire for you is that you would seriously and genuinely consider trusting in Jesus. It's not a joke. We, we, we're not just like trying to get to heaven by good works here. Like we believe to the core of our being that Jesus Christ did all the good work for us. He paid all the price and, and we have just trusted in him. And because we've trusted in him, he is working in us and changing us and we are not perfect. Do not think for a second that throughout this week you're not gonna you're gonna see like perfect people everywhere. I mean, the reason we're Christians is because we're not perfect, right? Shake your heads, yes. I'm not a Christian because I'm an awesome person. I'm a Christian because I'm not because I've sinned. I've sinned continually. My heart wants rebellion, but God is is transforming and working and convicting. And so, hopefully, what you see here is not perfect people, but people who are being changed, people who are being humbled, people who are being convicted, people who are passionate about God because of who he is. Well, the, the whole um, psalm ends on a fairly positive note. And I want to turn with me to Psalm 78, 60, verses 67 to 72. Just when you think it couldn't get worse, right? We know that Asaph is, again, uh, living around the time of King David. And King David was an opportunity, again, for God's people to kind of start over, okay? It's like all of these guys before him, all of these leaders before him, the people before him have just been kind of spiritual doofuses. And he is like their hope right now. He's like, maybe God will use David to help us out, to uh, lead us well. And so God raises up David, this man after God's own heart, a man whose desire was to please the Lord. 
And uh, in verses 67, it talks about um, how God has rejected different tribes. But uh, in 69, it says this, He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. I mean, this is just a kid who didn't deserve any of this. And God is going to use this kid to alter the entire course of Israel's history, at least for a few generations. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he, David, shepherded them. I love this, that David led them and his heart was right. Unlike his predecessors, whose hearts were faithless. And if you know anything about David, David was a royal mess up. David committed adultery, murdered a man to cover it up, did some pretty terrible things. And yet at the end of the day, despite David's imperfection, God could say that he had an upright heart. He was a man after God's own heart because when he was confronted, what did he do? He repented and he tried to get things right with the Lord. And so again, David, even being this leader that he is, didn't get up and say, oh, I'm the best. David was humble. David was humble. And I think this is a great image for parents, especially those of you who you're like David. You are the first one in your generation to create a whole new legacy. And you're not going to be perfect, but lead your family with an upright heart. Lead your family with an upright heart. And then it says he guided them or he led them or he shepherded them with his skillful hand. I mean, don't you want to be parents who have upright hearts towards the Lord? Don't you want to be single men and women who when you see kids come along and you take them and you start mentoring them and encouraging their mom and dad that they see somebody with an upright heart, a perfect heart, negative, an upright heart, a heart that desires humble repentance, especially when we fall. And then we want to lead with skillful hands. And where do we learn how to, we just open up the word of God and we study and we talk about it and we study it and we apply it. And we learn so much skill on how to be the men and the women that God's called us to be from the word of God. And we share this with our kids. And so our desire, my desire this morning, this is kind of a different sermon again because there's a lot of parents here who uh, maybe are not from the village church. But we just want to encourage you that there is forgiveness of sin. There is hope and there's the opportunity to set a whole new trajectory for your family unlike the one you grew up in with your parents. Unlike that one. For many of you, it is very scary because your fear is that you're going to repeat what your parents did for you for another generation. But in this room is story after story after story of people who have set new directions and new trajectories and created new families that are honoring the Lord. That's awesome and only, only can happen through Jesus, Jesus Christ. So uh, I'm going to pray for you and uh, we're going to pray again for VBS and then here's what's going to happen. Um, the worship team, uh, uh, if you guys would um, come up, we're going to sing one more song and uh, during that song there's going to be an offering. If you're new with the Village Church, please, there's no pressure to give in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we're just glad that you're here worshiping with us. This is at the Village Church. We love to give our money because we believe in what God's doing and we're passionate about it. And then after the service, uh, your kids will be down here and then also in the gym, which is this direction. We have a lot of stuff set up for your kids and for VBS and it's, it's our kickoff to an incredible week of fun where the Bible is going to be taught and hopefully the name of Jesus lifted up. So let's pray together and we'll worship with one more song. Father, thanks again for your word. I thank you that... Um, the Bible just talks about everything. I mean, it's so crystal clear. It is so um, helpful. But God, it is from you. And you inspired men to write this and to put exactly what you wanted in this. And so God, we want to study it. We want to know it. Um, you have the words of life. I thank you, God, that not only have you given us your written word, but you've given us the living word, Jesus Christ. You, God, are amazing. The fact that Jesus became flesh and allowed his 
creation to execute him. I cannot even fathom it, God, that you would give your only son the, the sacrifice that you have made for us. And so, if, Lord, we love you. God, we confess that things aren't perfect, that we have not been perfect parents. We have not loved the kids in our church as well as we should have. But God, you are a God who forgives, who gives new starts. And so, Lord, I pray right now for any parent here who has never trusted in you, that they would trust in Jesus Christ and experience eternal life and forgiveness and a new start. And so, God, this week we lift up VBS to you, and uh, we just submit this to you and are so excited to see you work. In Jesus' name, amen.